0: ...serving our university city and South Cambridgeshire.
1: This is Cambridge
2: 105 Radio.
1: Hello, I'm Simon Burton and welcome to a spring edition of Arts Roundup... ...where we'll be appreciating more than just the daffodils. We'll take a quick tour of a major conference on art in the city... ...visit some of the city's brightest and best young musicians in concert... ...get down on the street with an arts fest... ...and sample some local poets in action. In this edition... We'll hear the excellence of BBC Young Musicians finalists Will Harmer and Anne-Marie Ferdelay performing at the St Andrew's Church in Chesterton and ask some questions about the cuts in funding in the region's schools that could threaten the musical talent of the future. Cambridge Arts Networks convenes a conference to talk about the city's arts creative assets and how they'll survive and develop despite the looming hard times. Cambridge 105's Matt Bentman samples an evening with Remarkable Poets at CB2 Café. And we take a retrospective peek at the St Paul's Arts Fest with director Martin Evans, which has once again given a splash of local colour in the run-up to Easter, pulling together artists and creatives and the local people interested in learning from them. It's not hard to find musical excellence in Cambridge, where we have an abundance of music scholars and year-round concerts in beautiful chapels and concert halls. But are the opportunities to become one of them really available to the young in the county's state schools these days, or are they slipping away? I've been hearing concerns from parents that the chances of getting your child's talent fully nurtured are under threat and we could be losing something rather too precious in future as a result. To get an idea of the young talent that's cutting it today, I visited St Andrew's Church in Chesterton recently, a supportive music cradle that encourages talented musicians to perform, albeit on limited resources, and to start with you just need to sing. Anne-Marie Fadurle is just 15 and plays the French horn and piano, This year she's principal horn of the National Youth Orchestra and has been competing in the Brass Final of the BBC Young Musicians of the Year. Here she is in action, performing a piece by Richard Bissell.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Anne-Marie, some absolutely yeah. fantastic music there. Um, uh, everyone was completely blown away by it. Um, how long has it taken you to what develop my a talent like
3: this?
4: Well, I've been playing the horn for eight yeah. years now, um, and these pieces I've been working on, well, a few of them I've done in previous years, and the first one I played I started about three months ago, so I've done some intense work on that.
1: Now, you're coming up for um, a music competition, I I gather it's the the, the BBC um, Young Musician of the Year um, in the horn section. Um, How are you feeling about that?
4: Um, oh, I'm really excited. I mean, it's it's really incredible to be part of the competition because it's always something I've really looked up to. Um, and obviously, I'm I'm quite nervous because <laughs> it's next week, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it as well.
1: How, how important is it for you to have opportunities like this to get out and about and perform in Cambridge in the run up to um, an important event like that? Yeah,
4: uh, I think it's uh, really important to have a few runs through the programme before because. It's it always feels different to play some pieces when you're um, in a performance situation when you're when you've got the nerves and when when you're under pressure. So um, I think it's really really important to be able to play it through perform.
1: Uh, and what about the people who nurtured your talent? Can you tell me a little bit about them, your, your music teachers, and people? Like um,
4: my well, my very first horn teacher is actually here today. Um, he he was really really inspiring because he um, he let me play lots of really difficult pieces, even when I was just beginning the the instrument. Um, And I think uh, that really kind of inspired me and motivated me to have something to work towards. Um, And my current horn teacher is also really, really um, inspiring. And he's given me a lot of confidence as a musician as well. And what's his name? Richard Watkins. Watkins. At my school, there's um, a really wide variety of um, extracurricular music going on. So I think there's really something for everyone. and there's also music lessons going on there, um, and I think if you really want to pursue that, then it's important to also go outside of school, kind of take initiative and find other opportunities as well. I'll hopefully go to music college after my, after I do my A levels, um, and probably play in some orchestra. Hopefully, I think that's that's my main goal. Really thank you. Thank you. Very much
1: <laughs> And here's Will Harmer, a composer, pianist and trumpeter at 17, and is studying for his A-levels. His first piano concerto premiered at Saffron Halls in March. In 2017, he was winner of the BBC Proms Inspire Composition Competition and the Royal Opera House Fanfare Competition.
5: I started the piano when I was about six or seven, and I had lessons locally until I was about 12. And then when I wanted to take it a bit more seriously, I started lessons at the Junior Guild Hall in London, and I've had lessons there ever since. And yeah, so I I go to London every Saturday, and being able to take part in master classes and workshops and having, um, yeah, having, world-class tuition there has been amazingly helpful. How, yeah.
1: how difficult was it for you or your family to get, get you access to that
3: kind of tuition?
5: Um, I think because I've been very fortunate that my um, parents have been really willing to fund me in that um, venture but I think it's um, yeah, so I'm, I'm very lucky in that regard because I, I also did a course called uh, Albury Young Musicians which really helped my creative music-making side, so improvising and jazz and world music, trying lots of other different kinds of music. And, yeah, so I've been very privileged to be um, exposed to all these kind of music.
1: Um, Now, you've actually already um, won some musical um, awards, haven't
5: you, so far? What have those been? Um, Yeah, so it's mainly been for composing. Um, I was one of the winners of the BBC Proms Inspire Young Composer competition last year so I wrote a piece for orchestra and because it was a winner, it got played by the Aurora Orchestra, um, as at a BBC Proms event, which is an amazing, exciting experience. And, um, I also, I was also one of the winners in the Royal Opera House fanfare composing competition. So my fanfare has been heard several times during the interval at operas and ballets at the Royal Opera House.
1: But with an estimated £600 per pupil per year being cut in Cambridgeshire schools, is music education for all going to suffer in state schools? I put it to Parkside Federation's headmaster, Joe
6: Deasy. It's undeniable that there is a funding crisis in national education. It's undeniable that Cambridgeshire is one of the areas in the country which is suffering the most, with the second worst funded authority in the country. Uh, Why is that? It's a historical thing. It goes back many years, many decades, when funding was decided by local authorities. Since then, the issue hasn't been addressed. The government has had a go with a new national funding formula but we don't feel that it has addressed the underlying issues that we are poorly funded.
1: Now the government says that they're they're, um, approaching record funding but what is is it like in real terms in dealing with this because I gather that Parkside has faced having to cut something like £323,000 worth of funding by 2020. How big an impact does that have on you as someone who's trying to run a school?
6: Well first of all absolutely right we have had a real terms cut and yes the amount of money going in is more but the costs are more and the contributions are more so the impact for us has been that we have had to cut some curriculum as in some subjects we have had to look at larger class sizes Music is one thing that seems to suffer I think here is where we buck the trend because we are utterly committed to the arts. At Key Stage 3, all of our students have specialist teaching in dance, drama, art and music. We still have all of those subjects taught at Key Stage 4 as well. So as a school and as a multi Academy Trust, we believe that the arts are important, so we are not cutting those. It depends on the priorities of the school. As I said, uh-huh. here yeah. we are committed to yeah. music teaching and the other arts teaching, so we, we are delivering it. Other schools may have other priorities, yeah. but I think the important point is that necessity is the mother of the invention, as we yeah. know. Yeah. We've got two projects recently which I think show how we can harness what is out there in the communities to support us. So the Cambridge Handel Opera Company has been coming in, has been working with some of our students. Uh, one of our students is actually going to appear in their production of Roda Linda uh, later, in this, uh, later in the spring. That's an example of where we can really harness what's out there, which has no cost, which brings amazing benefit to a number of students. Times are hard; Hmm. it is for schools to prioritise where their funding goes, but also to harness the goodwill and the resources that are out there in the community.
5: And here's Will Harmer on the issue. I think it's completely shocking, and I, I mean, music was my absolute joy at primary school. This, the the small bits of music that I was able to get involved in were really amazing, and. I think it, it doesn't actually require that much funding for people to get involved in music. Th- this year as part of my school I've had the opportunity to do enrichment, um, which is, so we've gone and helped out teaching at um, a local primary school uh, in the Cambridge area and helped out with their music lessons and we've been able to do singing and percussion workshops and I think that's, and obviously that, that hasn't cost much but that's got lots of people involved um, but i th- I think perhaps the difficulty um, is getting the funding to have these staff in place to teach music in the Cambridge area there are a a good number of piano teachers who um, who have um, very reasonable rates of teaching so I think at, at that level it's um it 's definitely possible for a lot of people to get um get access to that. In, at my primary school, there weren't that many um, opportunities, so I was lucky that I was um, able to do all the young musicians from the age of 10 or 11. But um, some of my peers who were also into music didn't get that opportunity. And I think at primary school, um, it's, there, there isn't much focus on nurturing any musical talent. I didn't get many, very many opportunities there. Um, and I think at, uh, at state schools in this area... Um, There really isn't enough focus on music tuition and music education because, um, a lot of the time there are people with lots of talent, but who, who haven't had the opportunity to really fulfill that potential and have, um, top class lessons. So I think perhaps there needs to be, um, there needs to be more schemes in place.
1: Concert coordinator for St Paul's Church, John Reynolds, says St Paul's will continue to be a hub for people who want to find resources to perform. The church
2: has a long musical tradition, but I've been organising concerts on a regular basis for two or three years now. Usually lunchtime concerts on Friday lunchtimes. Um, I do that on behalf of the friends of St Andrew's Church, and I'm always on the lookout for musicians who want somewhere to perform most people look for professional musicians, I don't look necessarily for professional musicians we have quite a number of talented musicians within the church but I've gradually got an increasing number of people I know who want somewhere to perform and um, that's why when they ask if they can come here we, we encourage them I also make a point of having admission free concerts which means no one is excluded on the um, basis of cost from attending the concerts.
0: Serving our university city and South Cambridgeshire.
2: This is Cambridge 105 Radio. There's been quite a gathering
1: of minds across Cambridgeshire's many arts platforms to discuss what happens next in the city in terms of the big picture. Cambridge Arts Network's annual conference in March drew in delegates from the web of artists and arts organisations to water themselves on the latest news, debate the issues and detail upcoming developments at Anglia Ruskin University. It was opened with a presentation by Director of Kettle's Yard, Andrew Nern, still slightly astonished that Kettle's Yard has seen over 30,000 visitors since reopening on February 10th. He kicked off with the question, What Can Art Do?, and illustrated the topic with art photographs from around the world demonstrating art's impact on people's lives and perceptions. Some famous artists' quotes on that subject emerged, that art reminds us of what there's left to do in the world, a comment by Madonna Eunice, and the image of the world can be different, commented by Garbo, changing tomorrow, and it can make us look and think more closely. We moved on to the creative assets of the city, its people, ideas, culture and vision, and Andrew Nern stressed that art makes the world step forward, An alternative future can be seen through art, and one that could change the very nature of Cambridge, perhaps. He gave examples from around Cambridge's iconic landmarks, and the need for art to naturally explode beyond the gallery. We looked briefly at internationally renowned artists living in the city, such as Anna Branstone, Emma Smith and Harold Offay, And we browsed artwork by Caroline Walker, a painter of powerful images of women in contemporary environments, and particularly refugees. The talk concluded with a quote that art is the touchstone of our civilization, the manifestation of our culture. It is as much the individual living force as the human beings themselves. A quote by Jim Eade, who founded Kettle's Yard by donating his house. Well, after being sufficiently sexed up, delegates heard Nigel Ward, Head of Performing Arts at ARU, talking of the embattled time for the arts and the need for providing skills for preparing students for the world out there by rethinking art courses. Richard Johnston from the City Council focused on the remarkable density of art spaces and the cultural riches of Cambridge and the Cambridge Cultural Cluster. He told delegates we need to consider the impact of the next chapter of our story as the arts expand in Cambridge. We then set off to our many breakout sessions to see how that might happen. The City Council presented on the scale and scope of what's happening in the city and the Making Public's Artwork scheme and connecting the arts in Cambridge with the community through the City Council funding programmes. Here's Arts Development Officer Akua Pong.
0: The Council plays a large part in encouraging um, arts organisations to um, collaborate with each other. Um, we um, have this annual conference to um, bring together the vast majority of arts organisations under one roof, so it's quite a special opportunity in that sense. Um, It's a chance for the organisations to network and hopefully get inspired as well by the speakers that we have on board um, to challenge themselves in their practice, um, maybe think differently um, and maybe try and find new solutions for delivering their work. In the city, we're very lucky, um, as opposed to um, many uh, local authorities across the country. We're fortunate in that um, Cambridge City Council is still able to invest some money directly into arts activities. Um, I guess the way that w- w- in which we look at things now has to change. You know, Whilst maybe um, we can't take it for granted that there will always be the funds to deliver what we want to deliver, at the same time, we can always explore new ways in which to... Um, Manage that delivery. So, for us now at the city council, um, the money that we invest is very much based on meeting needs and particular issues. Point of view, we do a lot of work in in looking at particular um, agendas around health and well-being, um, young people's engagement, which has um, from its from those perspectives brought together organisations who are working together to, to challenge those things in a way that could grow and become scalable and really effective.
1: Issues this year included tackling inequality in Cambridge being the most unequal city in Britain, the issues of working with young people in schools, integration came up and creating a better creative identity for the city and also funding and attracting more artists to Cambridge. The Arts Council's Cathy Fawcett presented on the new project grant scheme which has replaced grants for art and what's available in the scope of what's considered for grants of £1,000 to £100,000. Here's artist Gilnar Malik who was hoping to find some funding.
7: I came here to um, establish uh, the procedures to apply for funding for a Chinese charity called Tianyu Association and it's to do with um, its uh, holiday camps under the uh, De Yin school.
1: Um, And what did you find out from the funding um, workshop it sounds so it's quite interesting what happened?
7: Yes I have uh, found out that they have changed uh, all their plans and this year is um, Uh, a transition, they've um, replaced uh, Grants for the Arts for a lottery funding and then they will open a very new opportunity for individual artists to apply for a separate funding from the 12th of April.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, now obviously funding seems to be um, uh, 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 what it's all about basically here today because um, loads of people have these fantastically ambitious and bubbly ideas but without the money they're not going to happen. Um, In hard times, um, how important do you think it is for people to um, get together, to brainstorm and to network and think about um, how they're going to survive as artists?
7: I think it is really important to to have an all-round view of um, how the projects are going to c- carry on and be resilient.
1: I sat in on talent development with Claire O'Hara, Lisa Broom, and Salome Waghani, who briefed us on troop and diverse actions at the Cambridge Junction. Their work spanned developing audiences, passive and active, and promoting the sustainability of artists' careers, particularly reflecting diversity. Troop, an arts development programme in the Cambridge region, is a new artist club for performance makers encompassing theatre, live arts, circus, spoken work and dance. It offers free studio space and residencies for artists and development space to work in and programming slots for artists at the junction. It also gives advice and guidance, help with Arts Council and other funding applications, has a network of producers and so far has 65 artists. Diverse Actions, the second scheme started in May last year, is a three-year nationwide programme that helps in producing and presenting work sustainably for black, Asian and minority background artists, opening doors for talent development and delivering workshops, and any artist can apply. The idea was to make diversity a year-round thing, and not just centering on events like Black History Month and build bridges for paid work for artists. They also talked on supporting artists on their journey – with Watch Out Festival for Theatre, Views from the Bridge, which helps artists present, and Fusion, a festival for young people, with the aim of making sure artwork gets noticed and recognised. As the conference closed, it resolved to promote art reflective of everyone in the city, challenge inequality, look at intergenerational ways of relating to technology, open up Cambridge for young people, provide access to art and opportunities in the community, and to use spaces and buildings and resources available to the arts and also to support more collaborations on art. It was quite an eye-opening day and developed a sense of purpose to the arts community looking forward.
8: is gone Above. Send back my
1: love It's no secret that Cambridge has interesting things going on in practically every little pocket and corner so we'll now discover some poets in action with a feature by Cambridge 105 reporter Matt Bentman
9: CB2 Cafe on Norfolk Street has a basement where poetry readings occur Presented by the local poetry group, this is a monthly evening of poetry by locals, and also two superstar poets brought in especially at the request of the CB1 Poetry Group. The group's figurehead for this evening is Adam Carruthers, and Adam himself is a poet. He also works in the library, and he teaches a little too. He hosts many of the events put on by the CB1 Poetry Group these days, And in point of fact, it's only fairly recently that they've moved their performances to the CB2 Café Basement as their regular venue. They always used to host at the CB1 Café on Mill Road, which, amongst other things, was known as the world's first internet café. Still, ever since it closed a few years ago, the group has been moving to a variety of places. They don't receive any funding, so they go where they can afford and that's especially important because they do like to pay their featured poets. Occasionally, they've spent brief periods in university buildings. They try to avoid that now. That's nothing against the university. Rather, that they would really like this monthly poetry event to be available for everyone. Everyone is welcome. The poetry group has been running for the last 15 years or so, and Adam, well, he's been involved for about the last two and a half. And so we head to the basement for tonight's performance. Beginning with guest poet Eric Langley.
10: Eric is an academic by trade and so he's been chanting on a picket line. (laughs) We're delighted that he was able to make it along tonight. More power to you.
11: (coughs) I'm going to start off just by reading a quotation from Kafka's letters. Kafka was forever going to parties bumping into people and falling head over heels in love with them. So he's got a whole succession of letters to a poor lady called Milena and then Felice. And he says, come and see me, get on the train. I'm living with my mother, but we'll meet up somewhere. It'll be amazing. <laughs> First of all, he says, do you remember me? And they say, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're that. Were you that guy who sat in the corner, didn't, didn't speak to me, didn't approach me at all? Both of them, astonishingly, agree to marry him. I don't think he actually meets up with either of them. Every time they get on the train, he says, oh, I'm too ill, my mother has read my letters, I'm ashamed. He's a total screw-up. But he says great things about letters, and I'm fascinated by kind of epistolary communication and about the nature of language and the the kind of implicit hope in language to cross distances, draw people together, and so on. So I want to just start off with this little quote from Kafka. I do not trust words and letters. I want to share my heart with people, but not with phantoms that play with the words and read the letters with slavering tongue. Would you marry this guy? Uh, How on earth did anyone get the idea that people can communicate with one another by letter? Because of the telegraph, the telephone, the radiograph, the ghosts won't starve, but we will perish.
9: Eric Langley is a lecturer in Shakespeare at University College London.
11: So I think all of my poems are kind of written with this sense that we're forever trying to close up these communicative gaps but that in fact we're providing ample nourishment for the ghosts who slaver in the interim between us and get ample nourishment on our kind of failed communications.
9: He was shortlisted for the Felix Dennis Award for Best First Collection at the 2017 Forward
11: Prizes. Passing charge in the charge, in the change from Z to D, kinetic. So lovely looking still, keep lovely looking till each hungry bird has flown and had his fill.
9: In an article with the Forward Arts Foundation, Dr. Langley says that as an academic, he has to explain and justify everything. Poetry, on the other hand, seems to be both a more experimental and freer space where he doesn't have to footnote his citations. He gets to riff on ideas.
11: This buzzbell and and feedback fuzz that I'm calling lapped shoulder to shoulder against this love child bastard boy all slip-backed boot blacked bastard whose fingers finger rosemary or columbine withered violets held up for his fled father for his absent husband maybe the haunting eyes have it remember me thank you
10: Thank you so much, Eric. Um, More of that in the second half. Kerry O'Brien and I had various bits of email contact and Twitter contact for quite a while before we actually managed to meet in person. When we did, it was in Paris back in September. We can't offer Paris. I think Cambridge has been giving pretty good account of itself for her first ever visit here, and I hope it won't be her last. Uh, Please welcome Kerry O'Brien.
12: Um, as Adam mentioned, we read together in Paris and we read in Shakespeare and & Co. And pretty much about six of the poems are either based in Shakespeare & Co. or about Notre Dame, which we could literally see out the window behind me. So I don't really have any basement Cambridge poems. <laughs> but not yet. Maybe I'll make one up on the spot.
9: Kerry is an art history graduate from Trinity College, Dublin. In an article published by the Irish Times, she describes poetry as raw beauty, distilling the emotions and condensing a single moment in time into a single line.
12: Rothko. They found him hunched over a white sink, all his beauty let out. I think of him in his studio, East Hampton 1964, wooden beams, stained concrete floor, sitting in a dark green chair, head tilted cigarette in hand peering at his creation layers and pain towering before him lost to it one mere man what he gave i see him with wings immersed in his low lit hush portals expanding crimson lilac burnt orange grays weighted hum solemn yet violent fire Heart, blood sweat, spilling out. So close and strange, people weep. Sacred, what we do to each other, and give without knowing. After that quite serious poem about Rothko's suicide, I have to tell a Rothko anecdote. <laughs> <laughs> Eric was saying, am I going to tell funny jokes? Just, it's just kind of going that way. <laughs> I think it's that it was this one. So basically ever since I was 16 I've had this beautiful print of Rothko on my bedroom wall and I've moved house about five times since then, I always bring it, it's like stayed intact and it's called Saffron 1954 and it's just kind of like beautiful, it's like a sunrise. So eventually two years ago I was like oh you know I've had this since I was 16 and i 31 I have to track this down and see it and it's been a beautiful occasion and you know I'll write a poem about it and I went to the gallery in Vienna, they claimed to have it and it was on their website. And I arrived and uh, they just were being really strange about it and they just kind of claimed to have just forgotten where it was. And I was just devastated. Um, And then only a few weeks ago, I Googled it again on the off chance and it turns out that someone had sold it and it had been Sotheby's. I'm like, I could have gone in and viewed it. So it's called Saffron 1954. So if you ever hear of anyone that has it, just (laughs) tell me. (laughs) I've been doing this at all my readings. So I figure at some point before I die, I'm going to get to see that painting.
9: These are just snippets of what was a great evening. It was full of light moments. It was a fun evening. And there were certain poems that really get to you. Kerry read one called Matisse, which was about a burning passion that refuses to dim with age or illness. And a local man took the stage in the second half of the evening to read a poem about his mobile phone. And that sounded like a funny title at first. He can't get rid of the phone because each button press represents the last communication he had with a loved one who died in a plane crash.
11: Take this safe, take this heart, and just bounce it all the way downstairs.
9: You can hear it in his voice, how tough it was to say, especially towards the end.
11: And in every grasp and grab, my hands all too, of how to miss you.
9: But that's the thing about this CB1 poetry group. It can cover all sorts of things, and it can remind you that the people you walk past every day, they've got great stories and probably great poetry in them too. You just might never know it.
12: This is what always happens with poems. Everyone goes deathly silent. (laughs) 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 Not like being a rock star. But thank you for listening so intently. (laughs) Or you've dropped off (laughs) sleep.
10: Without wishing to sound at all clingy, these events are entirely dependent on people actually showing up to them and genuinely it's gratitude more than clinginess really as i have often had cause to say to people um
12: yeah but just thank you so much again to adam thank you to eric it was such a privilege to read here and hope to see you all again i
10: think all that is left to do is to thank once more eric langley and kerry o'brien
4: thank you
2: Across the city
9: and South Cambridgeshire.
0: Cambridge 105
1: Radio. In the run up to the Easter weekend, St Paul's Arts Fest lured in artists, teachers, and people who want to learn from them. And that even included the former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rome Williams, and one or two celebrity musicians and performers. The biannual event at St Paul's Church and Hills Road featured a programme of talks, exhibitions, and workshops, ranging from making stained glass windows to printmaking, creative writing, masterclasses live performances, music and, yes, even embroidery. Former Archbishop of Canterbury, Rome Williams, gave a talk on 17th and 19th century poets and gave a recital of his own poetry and to balance things up, local mystic Malcolm Gweet was there to sing too. Classical pianist Victoria Royce performed in three lunchtime concerts and countertenor Lawrence Sazzo performed in Jeff Page's Paradise Lost to carry the Easter religious theme through. Festival director Martin Evans, whose paintings exhibited, says it drew the community together. I'm here with um, Martin Evans, um, who's been organising the St Paul's Arts Fest, which has just been taking place. Um, Martin, tell me a little bit about um, what went into organising this year's events in terms of organisation, because it must have been quite a big task to get it all together.
13: Well, I I, I have ran um, an arts festival um, for a number of years as part of my career when I was working. I'm retired now. Um, and we had a template from 2016 and we really did not st- uh, get away from that template. We, we, we knew we were going to have wor- workshops, events, talks and um, and food. Or, and, and basically, we've done that again. But we've, we've we obviously with, with different people um, and slightly, slightly more. It's a slightly bigger program than it was t- two years ago. Um, and and, and it's, once you realise what your, what your structure is, it's not that hard to organise, really. What were the main aims of the festival? What did you want to do with it? Uh, it's, for me, it's about community. Um, I, 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 in, the, in the brochure that went out, it says at the very beginning, at St Paul's we believe that art and the imagination are at the heart of the human spirit and of a flourishing community, and I really believe that. I think, I think that if you bring people together and to do any kind of art, be it printmaking or, or drawing or anything together then they get they get something for themselves in terms of what they do but also they really enjoy doing something else with other people uh, st paul's is very much a community church we, we strive to be an inclusive church of all people there's no us and them there's just us hmm. um and and so um the, the the idea is to um bring art to more and more people and also to create more community
1: Uh, in today's pressured times how important is it for people to actually learn a medium to express themselves in their quality time and their free time because life is terribly pressured now isn't it and people need an outlet don't they and art is one of those things that people can get involved in
13: i think this is something here about um what 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 the human's meant to do i think art is um it's a creative activity it's not it's not a passivity it's not just watching telly I, i i mean i'm i draw and I'm, I'm never more relaxed than when I'm drawing. I, before I came, you know, i have been drawing today and I realised actually I got immersed in it so much that, you know, and I don't find that uh, that kind of release apart from doing something like drawing. So I think, I think people are meant to be creative. I think the human being beings are, are made to live creatively, but they, they don't know that they can. They, they, you need help with that sometimes. You need somebody to get you over the line. Learning a new art form, be it printmaking or, or creative writing or drawing or whatever, is, is I think is very good for people. Secondly, we have an epidemic of loneliness. People are stuck in front of the televisions, in front of the screens. They're not actually in, in community, community with other people. St Paul's is about people doing positive things together. I mean, we've got between 1,500 and 2,000 people come through St Paul's every week. Mm. It's a busy place. Mm. and they're all coming to do something positive and i think that if we have a if we have a mission the mission is to grow community i think that's what god wants and god does not want people to be isolated and lonely i mean you know all the stuff evidence about that that people who are lonely have more heart attacks have more strokes you know are people are meant to be together not meant to be alone it was beyond my wildest dreams really mm. i didn't realize how much would people would respond how positive they would respond it, uh, it, no, it was it was it, it was great fun, and 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 I was very grateful that people appreciated it as much as they did. Really, one of the people, Joe Rowe, uh, Alice's mum, I um I did her course a couple of years ago, uh, and it is amazing to not think you can write, and then to to have these, you know, you you, you got your own, you got your own life story. So what Joe does, she takes you back to a, your own your own history, mm-hmm. find something that was really significant, and learn to write it, and then they, then she helps you craft it. It's it's a it's a really very exciting way to learn how to do something new in the artistic kind of field.
1: Take me through making a piece of stained glass. Yeah.
13: Um, what happens?
1: I, mean, I, I know absolutely nothing about it. Well, it? firstly,
13: you have an idea. Hmm. So you've got to, you've got to have a, a a drawing template. Then you work with um, uh, um, the. Claire uh, Claire Hartley's doing the workshops uh, the, your tutor to 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 see how that can work with with the with, with, uh, the lead supporting the glass so you draw in all, all the lead marks where they will be and that that, and that once you've done that that means you've got a certain number of of pieces of glass to cut to fit in that that framework so it's a, it's it's quite a clear process one thing after another as it gradually builds itself up to a, to a final piece of work Martin, uh, Martin, thank you very much indeed for coming in to yeah, talk to us.
1: Um, it, it sounds as like though the St. Paul's Art Fest has been a tremendous success.
13: Thank you very much. Well, I, well, I hope people really enjoyed it. Okay. Thank you
2: very much.
1: Well, that brings this edition of Arts Roundup nearly to its end. Until next month's batch of features on the city's vibrant art scene, and I hope you'll join me then.